Thanks, Meg. Thanks, team, for leading us. They're going to come back out and lead us as we close our service today. We're going to get to celebrate communion together. And uh, I've been looking forward all week to being with all of you guys here at our Port Clinton campus. My name is Todd, for those of you that I haven't met yet, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, this weekend, we are continuing a series that we launched into last weekend that we've entitled Reclaiming Christmas. And each week, we're looking at a different facet of uh, some of the key things that come up during Christmas and just re-examining and saying, well, how do we get back to the true uh, heartbeat of the holidays, all right? And uh, probably one of the biggest things associated with Christmas um, is Christmas presents, right? Everybody's uh, making their Christmas lists, right, uh, kids? Uh, you're doing that for mom and dad and well, you know, mom's doing that for dad, so dad knows actually what to get mom um, because we have no clue. And, uh, you know, mom just knows just buy tools, and then all the guys in the room will be happier. Maybe, maybe not all of us. I'm not a big tool guy, actually. I don't know what it was for you growing up, like that you were like, oh, I was just longing for that. I can't believe I got that. You know, it might have been a, a certain toy that you just longed for. It might have been, uh, you know, some beautiful piece of jewelry that you'd be, been longing for, or the perfect outfit, or the perfect Ugg boots, or maybe it was, uh, maybe it was, you know, that, you know, I don't know, manly set of tools, whatever it was. I don't know what it was for you. It's, it's crazy how easy all of us can get wrapped up into the, the getting side of Christmas, isn't it? Even on Black Friday, you know, Lisa, my wife, she's online, and she's looking at deals, and I'm peeking over, not not necessarily to see what she's getting or, or perhaps how much she's spending. Uh, no, actually, because I'm, I'm looking and seeing, oh, what other deals are there? Is there anything, you know, that I might want to get? And I, I find myself on, on Black Friday shopping for deals for myself. <laughs> like, isn't Christmas, isn't Christmas supposed to be about giving, and yet our culture and our own personal sin-filled prideful nature can easily make it about ourselves. Well, the story that we want to look at this weekend is going to help us re-examine Christmas and get back to the real heartbeat, which is giving, not getting. So we want to turn to the gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 2. And if you want to open it in your Bible, if you want to follow along on an app, or I'm going to have all the verses right here up on the screens for you. And as we look at this story, we're going to notice three different characters or perhaps sets of characters all responding in different ways to the coming of Jesus. All right? And that's what we want to learn from together. So it begins in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. He's one of our characters that we'll look at. About that time, some wise men, another set of characters that we're going to look at together, uh, from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, and they asked, where the newborn king of the Jews? They said, we saw his star, and it rose, and we have come to worship him. It says, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem, and he called a meeting of our third group of people, the leading priests and teachers of religious law, and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, 
are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. It says, then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them when the time, uh, when the star first appeared. And then they told him, uh, then he told them, go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Seems like good motivation, but what we discover in the rest of the story is that Herod was not out to worship Jesus. In fact, he was out to get rid of Jesus, and we'll see that more in a few moments. It says, after this interview, the wise men, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was, and when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. And it says, they entered the house, and they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. And they opened their treasure chests. And they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They gave. Because the real meaning of Christmas is not getting, but giving. But these wise men weren't the only characters in the story. And so we want to look at the response of each one. First, there was Herod. Now, if you, if you were a Jew of that day and you heard the name Herod, pretty quickly a boo would follow because the people of the day, especially the Jewish nation, did not like King Herod. He was a king that was appointed from the Roman emperor, and he wasn't even a Jew himself. People didn't like Herod because he was a pompous person. He was called Herod the Great mostly because he called himself great, or he thought he was really great, and he built statues and different objects really to pay homage to himself. Not only that, he was a ruthless dictator who was all about getting and very little about giving. And that's why when news of a newborn king of Israel is coming across the land, Herod is threatened. His position is threatened. And, and like most ru rulers and dictators, uh, he wanted to hold on to his position. And so he sought actually to get rid of Jesus. And this is one of the responses that we see really when it comes to Herod. He was, he was pushing Jesus away. And the, the truth of the matter, the same thing can happen to you and to me. Jesus came into this world to be the Savior of the world, but to be the King, not just of the Jews, but the King of all of us. And if Jesus is the King, or meant to be the King over our lives, that means Jesus has the right to have some say in our lives over who we are, how we live, how we spend, the relationships that we have. And if we're honest, many of us, we want to be in charge of our life, right? And for some of us, like Herod, who he didn't want to give worship to somebody else, he wanted to get worship. We, we like the spotlight, and we like to be center stage, and we want to be important. And so when it comes to Jesus, sometimes we just push him away. Or we'll let him into certain parts of our life, but it, when, it, when it comes to this part of this part that, you know, is really, really important to me, we, we just push him away. 
So just like Herod did, we can do the same thing. Well, there's another group of people in this story, and those are the religious leaders of the day. They were the the teachers of religious law. They were schooled in the scriptures. They were zealous, and and they were were looked up to by most people as kind of the, the ones that, spiritually speaking, had it all together. Which is interesting because it says that when uh, Herod sent for these uh, religious leaders to get some more info on this king of the Jews to be born, he wanted to, I mean, he knew that these guys would have the answers. He knew that they would know where this Jesus was to be born, and they, they come and they have the answers. They say, yeah, it's going to happen in Bethlehem. This is what's been prophesied long ago. But what's interesting is while the wise men set off then to go see Jesus, to meet Jesus, to explore this, the religious leaders of the day, they don't even travel to go see him. They were probably about six miles away. And yet it's like the religious leaders just kind of yawned at Jesus. They were so close, and yet they were so far away. And the same thing can happen in our lives. We can become so accustomed to religion and God and the Bible and church and doing good and being good that we can miss the real Jesus. Perhaps that's what was happening in these religious leaders of the day. They knew it all, but they were missing something deep within and so they don't even travel. They just kind of yawn at Jesus. So, so, so Herod pushes Jesus away. Uh, the religious leaders just kind of yawn and disregard Jesus. And that leads us to the third and final group of people, the wise men. The wise men, or some are, sometimes are known as the magi. These were the professors and the, the philosophers of the day. They, were, they also were very educated, and they, they taught others, and they... they they knew some of the scriptures. They, they studied astronomy and philosophy and, and, and medicine. And they, they probably had heard of some of the ancient prophecies that a Messiah was going to be born, that there was going to be a new king of the Jews that would rule and reign uh, forever. And so that when they heard that this was happening and they saw the star, somehow they took it as a sign from God himself and they were drawn in. They wanted to explore. They wanted to experience. They wanted to see if this was real, if this was really happening. And so they, they gave. They gave of their time and their energy. And they make this long trek from the east, probably all the way from Persia. Why? To come to see Jesus. A very different response than Herod and the religious leaders of the day. And in Matthew chapter 2, we find them landing on the scene. They saw the star, it says, and they were filled with joy. And then they see that the star is hovering over this one location. And in, in verse 11, it says, They entered the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. The, the word worship literally means to, to bow or to, to kiss the hand of someone. We, we get the word worship from uh, the old English worth-ship, which means to attribute or to give, to give worth, 
to an object. And that's exactly what these wise men did. They bowed down and they worshiped. And it says, then they opened their treasure chest and they gave. They gave. They gave him gifts of gold, of frankincense, and of myrrh. Because the real meaning of Christmas is giving, not getting. The gold represented a, you know, a, an expensive metal fit for a king, and the frankincense, incense that was used to create beautiful smells, and myrrh oftentimes used as uh, in an anointing oil, like that that would be used to anoint a king. And here are these wise men that have traveled so far, and their response to Jesus is so different. They don't push him away. They don't yawn at him. They bow before him. Herod pushes them away. The religious leaders yawn. But they give. They give because of Jesus. So what is it that motivates giving? Why? Why give? Why, uh, why is it in us to give? Why do we give gifts at Christmas? Well, because God gave the greatest gift ever at Christmas time. And whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're religious or irreligious, there is something within us all as human beings that resonates with giving, with generosity. I think it's because we are all created in the image of God. And so no matter what we believe about God, because he is the creator of all of us, when we do something that we were created to do, it resonates. It feels good. It feels right. It's why getting can be fun, but giving can be truly fulfilling. But there's even more for those of us that have, have come into a relationship with Jesus. When you think about how the, the church over the decades has been known as a generous, benevolent, giving, caring organization, why is that? I'll tell you why. It's because the church over the decades has been filled with people who've been touched by Jesus, who experience God's goodness, who have responded to God's gift of his son, for God so loved the world that he gave. <laughs> Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive, right? And the church over the decades has been filled with people who have been touched by the great giver. That's why we give. And then that leads to, you know, we look at the Magi and we see that, that, that they came before Jesus and they opened their treasure chest and they, they gave to Jesus out of what they had and what they thought he was worthy of. And so that begs the question, then how do we respond to Jesus? How do we give back to Jesus? I love uh, Jesus' word, own words in Matthew chapter 25. He says, uh, what you do for the least of these, you do for me. It's like Jesus literally saying, listen, you want to give to me? Give to the needy. Give to the poor. Give to the least of these. Uh, in, in, in the book of Proverbs, giving throughout that book of deep wisdom, giving is given as a mark of true wisdom, that the wise know that generosity is important. In the book of James, which is all about what real faith looks like, 
uh, James really kind of teaches us that, that, that real faith is marked by caring for others in practical ways. It's not something that we just say. It's something that we do, that we live out with other people. And just before we launched into this Christmas series, Reclaiming Christmas, we were walking chapter by chapter through the letter of 1 John. And man, when I came to chapter 3, verse 17, it did something in me. It challenged me. And John writes, If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, doesn't do anything about it, he says, how can God's love be in that person? And I don't know about you, but in these last weeks even, I've, I've, I've come across situations where there's people in need, and that, that question has resonated in my mind and my heart. If I don't do something, how can the love of God be in me? Because God's love compels us to give. Because God gave, we give. So I want to take a few moments to thank you. Because you as our chapel family, you have continued to live out the message of the Magi. The giving is more important than getting and maybe already some of you received our 2020 annual report in the mail. And if you didn't, it'll be coming this week. And if, if for some reason it doesn't come to your mailbox this week, then make sure next week and you stop out at the Welcome Center. And the, the annual report is, is just our way of being transparent with you and celebrating what God has done and continues to do through our church family and through your generous giving. At the beginning of COVID, uh, because of people's giving, we were able to make an impact in our community. We partnered with some area uh, businesses and organizations, and people gave, and, and, and people gave time and served, and we handed out meals. Uh, over 1,700 meals were given out because of our chapel people. And, the, the, and, and even when people weren't showing up at the campuses, then our people took the food and, and then they just took off and went to go find people in need and went to key neighborhoods where they knew there were people that were struggling and hurting. And, and we, we prayed for people as they drove in through the drive through prayer efforts. People gave. They gave time, they gave energy, they gave resources. At the beginning of this whole COVID crisis, right away we responded, we set up a COVID crisis fund because we knew that we were going to be seeing and sensing needs in our own church family, people that have lost jobs, people that are having a hard time paying bills, people in our community, and not just in our community, all over the world. To date, almost $90,000 has been given to the COVID crisis fund, and most of that has been distributed already, meeting real needs, people's electric bills being paid helping people find transportation, helping people make a house payment that they weren't able, going to be able to make during this crazy time. And not just here, but abroad. We saw COVID hitting our villages that we have adopted as a church in India called Sarai and then in Guganyuzi, Burundi. And there were families that were hit by that, families that were not being able to put food on the table. And because the chapel people gave, we were able to give. <laughs> Families ate, and families were sustained because of people's giving. That's what Christmas is about. Before COVID, remember that day? Like when you didn't have to wear masks everywhere, and you could actually sit and hang out and 
be with people and love people. And we took the lead from the book of Proverbs that says God's the defender of the widows. And we gathered actually about a year ago uh, on February 14th, Valentine's Day, and people from our church donated funds and area organizations donated food. And then guys took their Friday and took a day off work. Why? To serve widows, to show them love. There's a heartbeat. Guys, the heartbeat, it's not just the heartbeat of Christmas. It's the heartbeat of Christianity is to give. Over these last three years, as part of our 2020 vision, 231 people went on short-term mission. In, in 2020, we were, before all this COVID craziness happened, we were able to send a team to Cuba, and they shared with people how they could uh, create clean water and in doing that, providing clean water for people, they were able to point to the, the water of life. <laughs> and people's lives were touched. That building there on the left is in, uh, just on the other side of that, down the hill, are the Batwa people in a small village that we have adopted. They're a forgotten people that are kind of just chastised by the rest of civilization there in Burundi. And they have nothing to their name, but we've been slowly, as a church, we've been building houses there. We've, been, uh, we've hired a, a staff member that goes and loves on people. And that building to the left was finally just completed. Uh, the backside of it is where kids will get education, and they'll be tutored. And then that big, beautiful spot on the left, a big open space, a community center, where people can gather together, where they can eventually house a church not only that, but these Batwa people that nobody cares about, now people from the surrounding communities are coming and they're wanting to know if they can use their building. <laughs> and they can rent this space out towards other people in the community, which helps provide for the needs of the Batwa people that are living there. And that building, 100% of that is because of you. When you give to the chapel, we give to them. And that building is there, that community center is there because people gave. This year with Operation Christmas Child, many of you, you grabbed shoeboxes on your way out of here over the last several weeks. And then you, you, you with your husband's wives, with your kids, you, you brought little, bought little things and you tucked them into those boxes filled with, with love. And, and those boxes now, over a thousand of them from the chapel alone going across the world. And this Christmas, a child that might not have received anything will get a gift. And not only will they get a gift, somebody will talk to them about the great giver and about how much God loves them and that he loved them so much that Jesus would come and give his life so they could have real life, so they could have hope, so they could have peace. We opened up our chapel Christmas giving catalog, and that's still open, and people are still donating. But to date, almost $9,000 has already been given, and it's gonna, that money will be distributed to our ministry partners. One of those partners is right here in Port Clinton, Lighthouse Sober Living, men and women that are trying to break free from the power of addiction. And some of those resources are going to go to help that ministry and help people continue to find freedom. And around the globe... <laughs> Just a couple weeks ago, we gave you guys gift cards. Everybody that wanted one could take one, uh, 20 bucks, just to go and to, to 
to give in some practical way towards somebody, not about the chapel, but in the name of God and his love. Over $720 gift cards were dispersed, and now those are going out, and people are giving. Some of you have already done and given yours away, and maybe you, maybe you emailed us a story, and some of you, you're holding on to that gift card, and you're waiting for the right moment. I heard a story about a couple that's getting ready to travel out to the West Coast for Christmas, And you know what they're going to do the whole way there? They and their small group, they combined their gift cards. They created these little gift packages with socks and uh, drinks and, and, and just different things that would meet practical needs. And on their drive to California, you know what they're doing? Every time they stop for gas, every time they stop for food, they're going to be looking. They're like, this is an adventure. <laughs> we can't wait to see what, who God leads us to. See, that's what, that's what happens when we realize that life is not about getting, it's about giving. And because of your generosity of the chapel, we've taken on a new missionary couple. You guys have met them, Dan and Sarah. They've been attending here at our Port Clinton campus, and they're about to go uh, into Central Asia. And they'll be ministering to college students at a college where the name of Jesus is unheard. And that's because people at the chapel have given. And now they're going to have the chance to give Jesus to other people. Every week, every month, people here at the chapel say, you know what, I believe in this place. I believe in God's work here, and I want to be a part. It keeps the lights on. It pays our staff. It helps kids and students and 30-year-olds and 83-year-olds take one step closer to God and each other through Christ. Christmas, Christianity, it's about giving, not getting. And there's no one that's given more than God himself. And so I want to invite us to stand. And we want to lift our voices and our hearts to God in gratitude for all that he has first given to us. Let's sing together.